Welcome, Maria, to the podcast, CEO at Impact Lab. I'm very excited for this conversation today, so appreciate you being on. No worries. Thanks for having me. Awesome. I'd like to start the conversation with this open, beautiful question, which is, who is Maria? Maybe tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I'm, I'm still figuring it out. <laughs> I, don't, I don't quite know yet, but um, I guess I'm, uh, so I'm originally from Southland. Uh, I'm the only girl in a family with five brothers, uh, which is a lot of fun um, and quite noisy at times. Um, so yeah, I guess um, grew up in Southland and then in Wellington. My mum's family's from um, half are from Samoa and half are from Italy, and my dad's family is um, kind of Irish European. So grew up with a, um, a nice sort of mix of um, cultures and perspectives. Uh, and then when I was eighteen, I decided to go try explore the world. So um, I went to the UK and studied over there, um, worked for a while in Australia. In my um, uh, I suppose it was when I was in Australia, I, I got to do this project in a remote community, looking at um how to support community organisations uh to to do great services with um people in need in their community, and that's got what got me kind of keyed into the whole opportunity, I suppose, of using data and and investment tools to support the great work that happens um, in communities. So I got psyched on that and um, went to Stanford in the US to explore, you know, and learn how do you build great data tools and products for communities. Um, And then I was really fortunate to be able to come home a couple of years ago and uh, sort of help contribute to Impact Lab and and, um, explore that, that question here. So that's kind of where I am. Wow, that's that's amazing. Some incredible opportunities in there and um, has led to this, which is great. What's one thing that you wish you knew at the start of your career journey or your journey? I think um, over time I've sort of built, built the confidence to follow my nose a bit in terms of what's the types of um, sort of issues and, and problems that I'm really excited to work on and that um, I enjoy exploring. Um, I think when I first finished high school, I was pretty focused on, you know, what's the path you're supposed to do or expected to do. Um, but I found is the more I step off that and just follow things that I'm really excited about, um, it's just, I don't know, it's just way more fun. So I, I think that's what I would probably tell myself going back there. Yes, totally. So funny at that age, yeah, you're just like, oh, I need to follow what the right thing to do is by society's standards. And then I think our generation is realizing that, you know, working for a purpose and being excited about what they do every day just trumps all of that, what society thinks you should be doing. So that's cool. Um, I'd love to know, what does a day in the life of Maria look like? Yeah, it's pretty varied. Um uh, which is one of the things I love about it. So yesterday, for example, I um, I started the day with a recruiting interview with a super inspiring young person, um, you know, who's interested in joining our team, which is really exciting. And then I did a session with the team looking at something that seems quite banal, but was really fun, which is how do we count people and cost for um, a program that was like a community hub where people can come and go as they please, quite a difficult one to, to figure out the data for. So we workshopped that together. Um, then I reviewed a, a social return on investment calculation. Um, so just, you know, in the spreadsheets, um, checking the numbers and asking some questions to um, the team. And then I um, got to be involved with a really cool results workshop. So at the end of our measurement process, we do a workshop with um, the charity or organisation to share and explore what have we learned and what does it mean for what they could do next? 
Um, so we did that with a social housing provider, which was really, really cool. Um, I guess also just to learn a lot from that team about what's going on in the housing um, challenges that people are facing in New Zealand and what have they learned about what works and then looking at the data we pulled together to kind of like test um, test the data against what they know about what's happening. So that was just an awesome conversation. Wow, my mind's blowing, so varied and can't wait to dive deeper into that, um, what impact uh, sorry, yeah, what Impact Lab does and the measurement and how businesses can measure that social good, which is cool. I love this next question because I get very similar but also very different responses from all my guests. What does social impact mean to you? Yeah, that's a great question. I think probably for me what it means is people being able to live the lives that they want to live. So I think it comes back to that human right um, to form your own aspirations for your life. Um, and in relationship with your family and those around you, and then go after those. So for me, um, social impact is about supporting that, basically. Mm, Great answer. We've touched on it already, uh, but I'd love if you could unpack the story of of Impact Lab and how it all came about, what the mission is of of the organisation and what you guys offer. Yeah, um, so how Impact Lab came about, so we were founded... um, by a few people who came, I guess, to the same question from different perspectives, which is how can we know the good that we do and how do we do good better, basically? Um, So uh, we're founded by um, Sir Bill English, who is the New Zealand Finance Minister, Emily Mason, who is a senior policy advisor in government for a long time, uh, a philanthropist uh, called Fran Wyborn, and a data analytics company called Nicholson Consulting. So um, very different viewpoints, but they were all kind of coming at this question. And I guess the core thing, particularly from a government perspective, that they were asking was, you know, we spend all this money with a belief and a hope that it makes a difference for people and particularly for the most vulnerable in our community. Mm-hmm. Uh, but how can we know and test whether we're actually making a difference? And then how can we lose what we know to make even more of a difference? Um, so they were very involved in sort of setting up some tools within government to start to understand that. And what was really interesting was uh, they did an exercise um, to analyse, you know, how do people journey through government services? And we have a lot of data now that can help us understand those journeys. Uh, and when they looked at everyone in New Zealand, they found that 15% of people use half of government services. Um, and that's health, that's criminal justice and other justice, um, you know, the welfare system and so on. Uh, so these are people with complex lives for whom mainstream services often don't work that well. Um, and so what they got excited about was, well, how could we uh, give decision makers information that they can trust and use and learn from to do good better, particularly for those people who really need products, services, and support that works. Mm. Uh, and and I guess what they realised was that a lot of that decision-making is happening not within government. Government's a critical player, but also it's happening out in the community. And the, often the people who know best where to invest in what works are the people in the community themselves. And so Impact Lab really was established to take the data toolkit and bring that directly to communities, to philanthropists, to businesses, to charities, and those they work with. Um, so that they can get some information that can connect their decisions about the money and time and energy they're investing to an understanding of what change looks like for the people that they are trying to make a difference for. 
Mm, so brilliant. That's amazing. And yeah, amazing that data has so much power in making strategic and, and clever decisions that can impact so many, so many people's lives. Uh, really interesting to hear so many different people part of Impact Labs, you know, creation as well, getting to that same question um, in, in many different sectors, business, government, um, and then the charity and nonprofit space too, which is exciting. Um, wanting to sort of switch gears a bit and talk about impact measurement. Why is impact measurement so, so important? Uh, it's important because we need to, well, it kind of comes back to the purpose of um, why are we investing or donating or giving to a cause? Mm. And if and if the answer to that question is to make us feel good, you don't need measurement, you're, you're good. If the answer to that question is to make a difference in someone's life, then we need to know whether we're doing that or not. And so that's, I think that's what measurement's about. And, you know, it's not, it's far from perfect how, you know, the extent to which we can answer that question, but we've got to do our best to answer that question because otherwise we actually don't know whether we're achieving the point of the whole exercise. Yeah, so true. So cool. We've You mentioned it earlier and what a day in the life of Maria looks like, but what is social return on investment and how does it work? I've heard the term many times. I feel like business owners would go, what is this? <laughs> yeah, no, it's a very good question. Uh, I guess basically social return on investment is it's one way and there's lots of different ways of doing it, but it's one way of measuring uh, the impact of, of investment and social change. Um, and so basically it's a, what you end up with is a number. So it might be $2, SROI of $2. And what that means is for every dollar that's invested in a certain program or service, uh, we estimate $2 of social value is created for society um, through a range of things like better incomes for families, improvements in mental and physical health, um, savings to the government from people, people um, you know, having positive change in their lives, which means less cost to government. So there's all these different ways we can value it, but what it comes down to is for every dollar you put in, what's the value we can attribute in terms of future lifelong change for people? Amazing. How does that, how does that work? How do you, it's incredible. It's an incredible tool for business owners because that's speaking their language, essentially. Um, how can we pop the social um, impact on, on revenue or in, in number sense, but how does that work? How do you get that number? Yeah. So the first, first part of it is um, just trying to understand what's the impact that you're trying to have. So what's, what's your mission or social, social mission or goal with what you're doing? Who exactly is it that you're trying to make a difference for? Mm. Is it all children in New Zealand? Or is it, um, you know, children between the age of five and eight in Porirua who have learning difficulties? Like, who is it? Wow. Yeah. Uh, and, and how do you want their lives to look better after you've provided your support or as a, as a result of your support? So that's kind of the almost the storytelling part. Like, what's the impact story behind what you're doing? And then from there, you can look at um, a couple of questions and provide some numerical answers to those. So the first question is, when you can make a positive change in someone's life, what's the value that can be attributed to that? So for example, um, if you're helping, we worked with a, a company actually that employs people with intellectual disabilities. Uh, and when they provide that employment, there's a whole lot of benefits to those people in terms of income, in terms of better healthcare, in terms of their mental health. Uh, and we can value a lot of a lot of that in dollar terms so that's impact uh, the next question is that's the impact we want to have how effective 
do we think what we're doing is at achieving that? Mm. Um, now, sometimes you can collect actual data about what happened as a result of your service. Often that's quite hard to do. Um, and that's where at Impact Lab we look at the global and national evidence base where people have deeply looked at effectiveness of similar models. So we can get an assumption like, you know, we think for one in 10 of the people that we're working with or supporting, we can make a measurable difference for them. Mm. So that's effectiveness. Then you've got um, opportunity, which is basically what's the opportunity to make a difference for the people you're working with? So coming back to the disability example, um, we did a project where we found that people who are unemployed who have a disability are five times less likely to get a job in a year than people who are also unemployed but don't have a disability. So the opportunity to make a difference is higher. Uh, so that's where we look at data around vulnerability, around what typically happens for people given certain challenges that are happening in their lives. Mm. And then finally, how many people are you working with? Is it 10? Is it 1,000? Is it 100,000? And how many of the people that start whatever the intervention is actually engage enough to benefit from it? Because often people start something and then drop out. So we look at that as well. So all of those things kind of add up to your social return on investment. Amazing answer. For a business owner, where would you say is the best place for them to start when they're going on this or starting this journey of measuring their impact? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. I think probably starting by understanding your own mission and co-papa um, because it's like, who are you as a business and what is it that you care about and what is the nature of the positive difference you want to make in the world? And sometimes that will align very directly to your sort of commercial reason for being. Um, so we worked with a company, for example, that helps people rehabilitate uh, and get back to work after an injury. Uh, and that's their core business, right? But other times it might be your core, core business might be, I don't know, selling paper. Um, but there's, you know, there's a social mission and set of values you have around that. So I think that's the first thing. And then once you understand that, the next bit is understanding your community in relation to so given what you care about and who you care about and what you're trying to achieve what's actually going on um, and getting specific about who it is you want to make a difference for mm -hmm. and understanding as much as you can um, what their lives look like and what they want or think would be useful uh, and then you can go to well what are the levers we can pull to make a difference here is it levers to do with our own team and hiring is it to do with getting out and supporting initiatives in the community is it just to do with like financially investing in and supporting things that we believe in? And there's, there's so many different ways you could help, but I think understanding yourself and understanding the needs of those you want to help is, should frame up that decision. Yeah. So practical. That's great. Uh, Impact Lab has, a, has tools and services for funders, but also for service providers. Do you mind unpacking that and telling us a little bit about these tools and, and how they work? And I'm talking about good measure and, and, the, and good investor. Yeah, great. So Good Measure is our main tool. Um, and typically we work with funders and service providers using Good Measure. Uh, so what it looks like is normally about a four-month process um, where we walk alongside a service provider to understand the impact they're trying to make, uh, help them collect some key data um, from their own operations, and then link that to government data and evidence 
um, to come out with these SROI metrics that we then workshop together. What does this mean? What can we do with this? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the, the journey we go through with service providers. For funders, um, it really depends on the funder. So sometimes they come on that journey with us with a specific intervention. Other times we might look at a portfolio where a funder's investing in lots of different programs and do that process with those who are providing the services, but then also aggregate upwards and say, what what have we learned overall about what's going on in this portfolio? The overall social return uh, and the extent of reach, because sometimes funders are really surprised when they look at everything they're supporting, the, the amount of reach they have into the community. That's awesome. How does Impact Lab work with nonprofits compared to SMEs and, and maybe even corporates? In your guys' communications, you mentioned that you have a real big focus on building relationships with people. So just wanted to sort of want, like, I was wondering what that looks like. Yeah. So we're, um, we're pretty agnostic as to the type of organization. Um, what I mean by that is this, the kind of the impact question is the same, which is who we're trying to make a difference for and what can we know and how can we build confidence around whether we're making that difference and where the funding's coming from or who's delivering it um, is sort of a secondary question so so in that sense we work with anyone who's trying to make a difference in people's lives um then when it comes to how we do that uh it's really i guess where it gets a bit tailored to the type of organization um but 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 ultimately i think whether you're a corporate or an sma um or a charity it's it's still fundamentally the same the same set of questions um but when we work with organizations we try and understand i guess like like any good um positive relationship that that builds trust it's you know, who are you? What do you um, want out of this process? Uh, and and how do we kind of work to build mutual understanding? Um, so I'm just thinking like at the moment, we're doing quite a bit of work in the financial capability um, sector, working with some banks and things. And, you know, that's that's a whole area for us to learn from those banks about how that sector works. But then likewise, for them to learn from what we've learned from other um, customers about beyond the finances, what's the impact of financial capability on people's broader lives? So it's just this interchange really of knowledge um, based on a base of respect, isn't it? For like for everyone's expertise. Wow. Very, very cool. Uh, what are some common mistakes that business owners make when starting on their social impact journey? Maybe things that you've seen in the past. Yeah, I think probably the, um, I don't know if it's a mistake, it's just p- probably part of the journey, but one one thing is um, not being specific enough. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is you might want to make a difference for mental health, for example. Um, but unless you can kind of move towards being specific about what that means for whom, it's quite hard to um, develop an effective approach to tackling that. And it's almost like it's unmanageable because you can't, you know, solve mental health as a whole. But what you might be able to do is say, well, um, you know, we are really interested in, in teenagers and we're interested in teenagers who end up using acute mental health services when they could have had, you know, support earlier on to not end up there. That's brilliant because that gives you um, sort of enough specificity to then start to know what you need to understand to make a meaningful difference. Um, I think that's one thing. And then maybe the second thing is um, sometimes businesses might underestimate what capabilities sit within your business that could be useful um, or applicable to creating a social impact. Um, so I think it's really good to think about, you know, what do you know about? <laughs> what does your team know about and what is your team passionate about? And um, how does that link into to an impact opportunity? Because um, I think unless you're just, unless you're providing investment, which is always useful, um, 
sort of connecting in your capabilities can can make a real difference and sort of on the converse um, it's harder to make an impact in an area where you you don't have the capabilities to necessarily contribute as much. I recently recorded a podcast with Rowan and Aiden from Go Generosity. I am so inspired by their scalable impact, making generosity easy for consumers, businesses and charities so they can make a difference to those that need it most. So how does it work? You pay it forward at your favorite local business so they can turn your generosity into tangible products and services for people in need. If you're a business owner, it's a great way to implement social impact into your operations. So thanks to the team at Go Generosity for making this podcast possible. Go check them out at gogenerosity.com and listen to our episode with Rowan and Aiden to learn more about them. Even just as we've been having this conversation, I'm realizing one through the tools and services that you guys use. It's great because then I'm guessing these businesses and organizations can really clearly communicate, right? The impact that they're having because they have the stats and they feel confident in the stats. Do you see that? That businesses are like, oh, I can communicate this now. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that you use the word confidence. It's such an important word because, um, you know, because social change is complicated and you can't, most of the time you can't say, we know we um, have made exactly this impact for these people and that's the whole story. But it's more about having the the data points and the evidence points to go out confidently and say, yeah, we have confidence in what we're doing, but also um, being able to say we're learning. So sometimes in our process, organizations find either that they're not ha- that, you know, there's not the level of confidence they would have hoped around around the impact or there's big gaps in their data. Um, but that can be as powerful a story, I think, to go out and say, you know, we're actively learning and we have, we have confidence about what we're doing in these ways and we're, we've identified these improvement opportunities or gaps and we're addressing them. Um, and I think that is, uh, yeah, that, that's kind of an honest and compelling way to connect with people. Yeah, I think that's another thing I've been picking up is through the data, you're then able to highlight what businesses and organizations do the best with the money and the opportunities that they have to have impact, right? Um, Would love to ask this question, how important is it that businesses find the strongest opportunities to invest in change rather than just picking things at random? Yeah, it's a really good question. I guess what's important is um, that there's people out there who really need effective support yeah. uh, and so you can you might randomly chance upon those opportunities and that's great but I think um, the the value of being targeted is, is 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 finding those people who really need the help and then helping them in a way that's actually helpful um, and, and if it's random you kind it's almost like you know it's parallel if you're running a, a business that sells clothing, do you just randomly put whatever in the shop and sort of hope it's a good experience and that it, it works for people? Um, well, you can't really do that because your business is not going to last very long. Yeah. Uh, so it's just the same thing. It's like, you know, being being thoughtful and and feedback driven around around what you're doing so that it's effective for the people who just, just really need that support. Mm. Do you find any businesses come to you guys saying, hey, can you tell us what organizations are doing the most effective social impact in this space or not quite yet? <laughs> uh, yeah, all the time. All the time. So interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I, yeah, I, I can see why because businesses are like, we want to partner with, you know, organizations that are doing the best with their money. Um, but I see so many businesses that also, on the other hand, like I was alluding to before, 
uh, invest in 20, um, 10 charities at once. And I, and I always think sometimes there's a place, but I always think, man, imagine if they just invested into one that really aligned with them as a business. What do you say to those business owners that come to you going, tell us, tell us. <laughs> yeah. I guess the first thing is there's no, um, there's no one kind of right answer to that question. Cause it, it really does depend kind of who you want to support and in what way, and even just like the model. So for example, do you want to invest in helping scale up a proven intervention that, um, you know, wants to expand to three more regions, but doesn't have the funds to do it? Or do you want to invest in a, you know, a super new um, model that um, is a, has emerged from the grassroots, but no one's really, really tested at any level yet? Um, there's, there's a lot of questions around like, what is it you're trying to do? So I always say, um, I, I guess well, I always just ask a few questions about what they're trying to achieve. Um, and then from there, it's about, it's, it's really then about the relationship with who it is you're supporting, because often um, I think for the charities or the frontline providers, um, the, the, the funding model, the support model um, can make quite a difference to what they can do or can't do with it. And so that's where we, you know, Impact Lab, we can't really speak to that, but that's about having that conversation with who it is you're supporting. So I know a lot of organizations prefer sort of a larger amount of funds over a long period of time, but maybe from less donors because they can plan to that. Because that's one of the hard things for charities is planning for the future when your um, your revenue is so uncertain, right? Yeah, of course. Man, lots of thoughts that I haven't thought of before blowing my mind. So yeah, very interesting. That's for sure. Um, yeah. On the flip side, what makes a nonprofit more of a strong investment opportunity than others? Yeah. Gosh, that's an interesting question. <laughs> I guess from from what I've learned so far, and I'll say I'm very new still. I've only been doing this work for a couple of years in an intense way. But um, mm. I think um, step one is can you can you articulate what you think it is you're trying to do for whom. Um, and when I say articulate, there's an, often a translation challenge there because some organizations can articulate that brilliantly in their own language, in the, their own world, but there's a, um, a, you know, that needs to be translated so that the supporter or funder or business can also get on board with and understand that. Um, so that's the first step. And then the next step is, um, can you demonstrate that you're doing it? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's both around you know, can you demonstrate that the type of experience you're providing people is is the one that you want to? Mm-hmm. Um, and then how can we build confidence around the long-term impact of that? And, and that's different depending on the context of the organization. Um, sometimes it's a lot easier to see what happened. Sometimes it's quite hard, but is the organization making an effort to do that? So I think those are two two key kind of um, key questions for who to understand. But then, I mean, the thing that a lot of funders have told me is, just like a venture capitalist, I suppose, like the team and who you're investing in is is just kind of the most critical point, really, because a really great team will be able to solve a lot of the the complexities around how to have impact. Wow, so interesting. Learning lots from this conversation. Um, that yeah, sometimes that just comes back to who you're working with, the people you're working with. Do you believe in them? Do they believe in what they're doing? Really interesting thought. That's cool. Um, with your experience overseas uh, and and just um, heavily in that impact space. How does New Zealand stack up compared to other countries in the world when it comes to effective social impact through business and the measurement of it? Yeah, so I um, I thought I was going to stay in the US once I finished at Stanford. Mm. Um, and I actually had had some you know cool social innovation-y things I was thinking of doing. But when I looked at it, um, 
and having also worked in the UK and Australia, I actually thought New Zealand is the best place in the world to do um, this type of sort of social impact work and innovations. Uh, and there's a couple of reasons for that. So one is we have, um, I, I don't know if it's the most, but definitely one of the most evolved um, social data infrastructures in the world. So we have um, a, a, a data environment called the Integrated Data Infrastructure, uh, which is a government-administered environment that researchers can access uh, that contains all that data I described that shows people's experiences of different government services over time at an individual level. So when I talk to people overseas, they can't believe that even exists. <laughs> and in New Zealand, researchers, hundreds of them are using it right now uh, and in charities as well. So the data's there. I think also um, I've just found that in the community sector in New Zealand, there are so many amazing people who are trying to and willing to think differently and have a real mindset of possibility um, and they feel like they can they can think about those possibilities but also actually do them um, which is which is incredible um, and then yeah I, so I think overall it's just uh, we we're doing a lot of things here which ultimately I hope will have translation to the rest of the world uh, and, and I know certainly other people see New Zealand as, as as carving a bit of a path which is really exciting. That is so exciting and like just empowering me so much. And I'm sure it will empower others listening that are interested in social impact. Um, and great to have you back in New Zealand um, to be working with an incredible organization like Impact Lab um, and using what you've learned overseas um, for the local community. That's exciting. How can business owners set up their data for a win so that they can make strategic decisions easily when it comes to social impact? Because you say, you know, New Zealand's got a great data infrastructure um, from a from a government level. How can businesses do this too? Yeah, great question. Um, I think it starts by doing the hard work around what impact you're trying to have, and then and then going, what decisions can we make that create that impact? Because I think you want to set up the data to enable you to make the decisions that you can, because there's no point having amazing data about something if you have no ability to influence it through your decision-making. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's, we actually have a, an impact lab, a, a partner organization called Fundamentally that does this exact thing, which is helps organizations go, what are the decisions we're trying to make? Therefore, what data do we need? And you'd be surprised how much power is in basic operational data, mm-hmm. like just basic data about how people are interacting with your service or what's happening for your staff. Um, it doesn't need to be super sophisticated often to give you a, a good basic sense of what's happening. Um, and then and then you can build on it. So we have this principle at Impact Lab, um, which is use to improve. You've got to use your data to improve it. So don't try and engineer the perfect thing straight off. Just start with what, what do we already know from the data we already collect? What decisions do we want to make? How do we improve and get the next set of information to answer the next question. And over time, that's what drives you towards um, a good system because it takes iteration. You can't figure out off the bat, you know, what's what's going to be needed. You need to kind of try it, see it, and then move on. Yeah, I think every business owner would have just taken a deep breath listening to that answer because, you know, improving 1% by 1% by 1%, that's what business is all about. You can't launch a perfect business model from the get-go, although we all want to. Um, So, yeah, incredible answer around setting up your data for a win, that's for sure. Um, In terms of reporting then on that data, what does effective reporting look like? Yeah, I think it really depends on who your audience is. Um, And we see lots of different... um, 
There's lots of different needs for different businesses and organizations. I mean, I suppose at Impact Lab, our approach to that is um, simple is smart. Like mm-hmm. If you can express it simply, yeah. um, that's far better than a 500-page report because no one's going to read that report. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also, we have the saying, you know, if a, you need to make your communication such that a smart 10-year-old can understand it. Uh, because that that's the discipline of actually clearly explaining your impact. Um, so I think simplicity is really good and um, and sort of and, and human centered specificity. So what I mean by that is taking it from kind of theory and, and aggregate numbers to um, to linking it to specific people like you know our funding supported 136 children uh, in the early years sector in Canterbury. Um, to receive, you know, positive support at the start of their lives. That's a, that's a lot more powerful than saying um, we care about kids, you know? Yeah, totally. And then it feeds into that. How do you then communicate the impact, which we've had episodes on before, um, and how to be able to do that effectively? This is a great way to do it, and that's through storytelling and reporting and having great data equals great storytelling. Um, storytelling that you can, again, be confident in sharing because you know it's real and it's happening every day. Totally. I think probably the other piece of it is um, reporting over time. So uh, we've worked with organisations that have really effectively set up almost like a standardised way of reporting on their impact and then annually or quarterly refreshing that. And what's really powerful about that is you can see the progress and you can see the trends over time. Uh, and it gives you more than a one-off hit. It gives you a tool on an ongoing basis, especially for boards, um, to be able to understand how the decisions they're making are creating impact. Yeah, it's great. And back to your point, you keep it simple, even those um, yearly report reports, keep them one, two pages or whatever it looks like for you so that people read them and um, can see the progress long-term. Awesome. Um, love this question because it is all around the people. Any standout client, one standout client story from Impact Lab, yeah, and that they've been a part of? Yeah. Oh, so many. It's, it's <laughs> really difficult to pick a favourite. Yeah. Um, actually, I think um, a story that I, um, I heard recently, which was really, really, really cool to hear, was um, we worked with an organisation in Canterbury called Home and Family. Uh, and they provide a whole lot of support to um, to families and to, to kids who um, are facing a lot of challenges. Mm-hmm. And uh, they went through the good measure process. Um, and I think as a result of that, they started asking themselves a lot of questions about who is it actually we are reaching and what is the nature of their experience of our support. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've, they've just kind of gone through this exercise of thinking about that. And they actually adapted the surveys they asked to the children um, through their child therapy program and discovered that a large portion of those kids are neurodiverse, which they didn't sort of know in a management sense. Uh, And so now they're looking at how to redesign their service to better meet the needs of those kids. Uh, And they also decided to change the length of their program um, to better align with the evidence base around kind of how much support is required over time for families. Um, So I think that was amazing to to hear how um, an organization is asking themselves those hard questions and then exploring and testing and making changes so that um, their families get a better experience, basically. Mm, That's so cool. And I've read on your website, the best thing you can do to support social impact in New Zealand. And I think that example um, just really highlights how effective the services are that you guys do and how it means that these organisations can make practical adjustments to have more impact. And that's the most important thing. That's awesome. 
and I love that example because that's not an idea we came up with. Mm. You know, the, the the knowledge sits within the community and within the organizations, but the process of measuring activates those questions and those possibilities. Yeah. And it's those questions, just keep asking yourself more and more questions. And that will bring on more and more understanding of who you are as a business, who you're serving, how it can more impact. Oh, honestly, loving this conversation. It's filled with gold, Maria. I'm really enjoying it. Um, what excites you about the future of business in New Zealand and the future of Impact Lab? Oh, <laughs> I think something I'm really excited by is the opportunities to use technology to empower people um, to take control of their own lives. So um, so two, just two examples that, of that I've come across recently. One is we're working with a, a disability organization called Manua Nui that has a tech platform that enables people with disabilities and their families to manage their own government funding and choose for themselves what they do with it. Do they buy a trampoline? Do they buy a bath? Do they hire their own support worker? Um so using technology to digitize and, and increase the accessibility and streamlining of that experience so that more and more people can take control of their funding. Um, another example, I went um, recently and visited Titihi in Palmerston North, who's an amazing um, social data organization that works with a number of iwi-based service providers. Uh, and they're, they're piloting around, yeah, how do we use technology to support whānau to set their own goals and define for themselves what's their dream and what do they want their life to look like and then track their progress and then keep in touch with their whānau and friends around how they're doing. So it's almost in a sense uh, disintermediating the traditional social service um, provision. Uh, but I think there's a real opportunity for social service providers to, to like latch onto these tools and use them because I think technology is unlocking possibilities for people um, to, to do their own thing, which have never been available before in the social sector. Yeah, yeah so new, that's cool. And what about the future of Impact, same thing? Oh, sorry, of Impact Lab. Future of Impact Lab. Mm. Um, oh, I think just just to keep learning. So we've, we've been going about, um, I think it's three years now, we've measured over 150 interventions, reaching, wow. I think it's getting up to about 10% of the New Zealand population now. And just the amount we're learning through that process from the organizations we work with. I, I'm really excited to just continue that learning, but also improve our toolkit so that that learning can go back so that every time we work with a, a charity or an organization, the next hundred that we work with can benefit from, from that learning because there's just so much knowledge out there. Bringing it together and putting it back out, um, I think is a, it's, it's just exciting to think about you know, what that would do, I suppose, for people's decision-making. Oh, totally. So buzzing from this and the opportunities. And to think Impact Lab has only been around for three years and had that amount of impact. Um, wow, an exciting future ahead, which I cannot wait to watch um, and be part of. How can business owners or leaders listening get in touch with the team to learn more about how Impact Lab can support them in their social impact journey? Yeah, so just get in touch um, at our website, impactlab.co.nz. There's a little contact button there. Um, and yeah, yeah, just get in touch and let us know what you're thinking and, and what your questions are and, and we'll do our best to help. Or if, if we can't help, connect you to someone who can. Yeah, brilliant. That's great. Uh, thank you so much for this conversation. Learned so much. Can't wait to listen to it a few more times and release it to the community and, and know that they'll gain so much value from it. Uh, but I'd like to finish up with just some fun questions to yeah. uh, close things out. So 
Maria, when are you most relaxed? Um, <laughs> watching reality TV with, <laughs> with my little brothers, watching American Idol or something like that with a cup of tea and my little bros. That is an epic answer. I love that. When you are not working, what do you enjoy doing? Uh, at the moment, playing the ukulele. I'm very bad, but I'm trying to get better and it's a lot of fun. <laughs> That's so fun. Uh, an Apple tool you couldn't live without? Um, oh, my alarm clock. <laughs> yeah. It's a thing, isn't it? <laughs> no, that is a great answer. Uh, throwing in another one in here. Um, what's your coffee order? Uh, I'm boring. I'm a flat white, just yeah. standard flat white. No, I'm with you, so that's cool. What are you reading or listening to right now? I am reading an amazing book called Boy Swallows Universe. It's a very great imaginative fiction novel. Highly recommend. So cool. So good. Awesome. Maria, it's been such a pleasure to chat to you, to get to know you. And uh, yeah, just excited to see your future and the future of Impact Lab. So thanks for unpacking impact measurement, which is no easy feat um, with us today. (laughs) Thanks so much, Brian. It was lovely to chat and, and thanks for the great questions.